to ET. Thanks for all your support of listening to our podcast. Today joining us is Angie. Angie is autistic. She was diagnosed in her mid-20s. She's also recovering from 15 plus years of anorexia, bulimia and ARFID. As Angie so correctly says, she is more than her struggles. She is a fifth year PhD student and teaching an undergrad class. She is passionate, energetic and goofy. She also has an unlimited amount of love for her two brothers and girlfriend. Thanks for joining us today, Angie. We'd love to know some more about your PhD. Thank you for having me. Before we get into the main question, it's like, what, what is the topic of your PhD? Um, so I'm getting a PhD in anthropology, um, but it's actually a little bit weird because the United States, um, where I'm doing my degree, is slightly different organized than basically everywhere else in the world. Um, I study primatology, which in most places would be in the biology department, um, because Jane Goodall, Beirut Galdikas, and Diane Fossey were three of the first um, American primatologists, and they are in the anthropology department. Uh, primatology has historically been housed in anthropology in the U.S. Um, so my degree is a PhD in anthropology, but my research focuses on primate behavioral ecology and conservation. So I've mm. studied uh, lemurs, monkeys, and chimpanzees throughout my degree. Wow, how fun. Have you ever got to hold, hold any? It'd be like, actually be with them? Um, so you're not like technically supposed to hold them and like in the wild we're not really supposed to get close to them uh, but I did work at a uh, primate sanctuary for a little while and sometimes you'd go in there to like clean the enclosures and they would kind of jump on your shoulder and like Ooh. you're not supposed to encourage it so you don't want to be like oh my god you're so cute but like internally <laughs> that's what I was doing like hello little buddy internal screaming <laughs> yes actually though I watched um I think it was Gogglebox actually but they did a bit on, on there about the zoo and the red pandas had had babies and the woman opened it up and looked in and then she shut it again she's like oh my god calm <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> maintain composure but oh my god I think I'd cry <laughs> I'd cry if I had to leave <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so with um doing your PhD and um, being a teacher in university, how have you found that with like also working alongside with having um, autism and just all of that? Um, so I'm actually quite fortunate in that my career choice is kind of uh, works out well with some of the strengths of my autism. Um, so I feel like in general, in academia, people are fairly accepting of like quote unquote quirks. And so like a lot of us joke that like, you know, we're socially awkward PhD students and like, you know, are fairly introverted and things like that. So like, obviously I hate the whole mentality like, oh, we're all a bit autistic cause that's bullshit. But I think we all mm -hmm. do have like interests that, you know we enjoy talking about more than other things. And so like, for me personally, I can go to any other PhD student or faculty in the department and have like, extensive conversation about their research whereas like I would have a really hard time like making small talk but like they don't really like care as much about like you know different like expectations and things like that so like yeah. I don't mind like talking about you know a 19th century shipwreck for 30 minutes or like you know an archaeological discovery of that month or whatever 
Um, so like the conversations that we tend to have just are more in line with my interests anyways, rather than just like the typical chit chat stuff, which is really nice. Um, and then for teaching, it's funny because lecturing for me is like no big deal whatsoever because I kind of just like pick a spot on the back wall and like look at it. So I like kind of look like I'm looking at my students, but really I'm just like in my own little world and I can like lecture for an hour about like a topic that I find really fascinating. So like lecturing looks natural to me, but then like if a student approaches me for office hours, I'm like, oh my God, why? this person talking to me help and so like <laughs> definitely like challenges and like fun aspects of it but it's it's been getting better um and I have like my like typical routine for like post-class like decompressing since it is like a little bit nerve-wracking having to like kind of be on for that time and stuff like that yeah. and as we know like zoom kind of makes things harder because it's like you just get burnt out after like hours of meetings but I'm lucky that like overall like getting a PhD and teaching and doing research and all of that has like fit in well with like my specific strengths and like the challenges that I have are um, like surmountable in terms of the degree. How have you found, because we've spoken to a lot of people now about like the lockdown restrictions that obviously like changed their routines and stuff. How, how did you find like adapting to that? Um, it was really hard initially because I was actually abroad um, in the middle of my research. I was in Indonesia, uh, March of 2020, um, and the United States government issued like a mandatory departure and made us all come back um, in the middle of the research. Like my permits were suspended, funding was suspended, so I had to come back. Um, but when I came back, everything was basically shut down. So I kind of went into quarantine for like a couple of months and then things kind of gradually started opening back up. Um, and for the fall semester, we were actually like back to being in person because I live in Texas in the US and we are not taking things as seriously as some places in the world. Um, so things like started opening back up again, um, but it's really hard for me personally because a lot of the things that I really like doing, like just going to Barnes and Noble, which is the bookstore here and like sitting there for eight hours and like alternating between like reading a book for fun and doing some work. Like I just don't really feel safe or ethical doing right now and like um, the teaching style right now is half in person half online um, and so I teach Monday Wednesday Friday but I teach to about 30 students and then everyone else is watching it on zoom so like I can't just like record a lecture and post it online it's like a live stream of me teaching and so like I don't know if I'm supposed to like look at my computer screen or like at the students so I like stare at the wall and it's just like uh, a little challenging but like I've heard others complain about that too so I feel like it's just like a general trend for like yeah teaching this hybrid format kind of sucks like regardless of whether you're neurodivergent or neurotypical so seems to be a common complaint I don't think it's just me but yeah it's been tricky for sure with all these changes yeah I mean I, I've spoken to a couple of teachers from primary schools and they've kind of said the same thing when they had to do it over lockdown is having the mm -hmm. Having the live feed almost feels like you've got someone observing you the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's just, oh, that would be so not fun. Yeah. It's weird being in meetings too, because like usually when you're sitting in like a conference room, everyone's looking at the speaker and not at you. But then like when you're on Zoom, you just have like 40 faces looking back at you and you're like, oh my God, help. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah. I mean, I remember, like, when I was in university having to do, like, 
our um, presentations and things like that. And I remember the first time I ever did it and I was like full on like shaking, like my hands were going, I was sweating buckets. <laughs> my voice did that little wibbly thing that it does. And we had another mm. girl that actually fainted. It was crazy. I was just oh like, gosh. it's incredible actually how much it has an effect on you. Mm-hmm. And then obviously they have to like kind of learn to adapt to that because you've got no choice. And by the time I'd finished university, I was a lot better at it. <laughs> I definitely don't shake in front of the children. Yeah. Well, it's hilarious because I have an older brother who's also autistic. He's two years older than me. And like, he's really not a fan of like one-to-one conversation. So like probably would never even enjoy doing something like this. But when he was in university, he minored in theater and he did like wow. Rocky Horror Picture Show where like he dressed in drag in front of thousands of people. And I'm like, Alex, how can you do this, but not this? And he's like, it's just different. I'm like, no, I get it. Like I'm the same way with teaching, but like, yeah, it blows my mind. Cause I could never get up in front of a crowd like that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I had dreams of doing theatre and being in film and TV and then that quickly subsided uh, because as you can see, I can't read anything about sounding like a robot. <laughs> you just need to um, audition for the part of a robot and it would be perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there's been quite a lot of people in TV that have quite like a monotone, like, but, 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 you just need one of those roles and you'll be fine. Because <laughs> when I get talking, I'm all right. It's just if I, if I learn the scripts and stuff, I'm all right. It's when I'm just reading things in front of me. So I couldn't okay. do Shakespeare or anything. Jesus, I tried that once. <laughs> Pardon? I'd be the same if it was acting because you've got all of like, it's not just. The words is it it's you've got then what you need to do and how you need to like roughly do it and so I'd be like act natural while saying this oh I'm not meant to read that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's literally how I yeah because when we put out our um thing about looking for people who are neurodiverse and working like teaching have like PhDs and um working all like entrepreneurs and stuff it was more like how like so we can help other people um who are neurodiverse and thinking of getting into careers like this how like it can be so good and it can be beneficial and like you're just proving that by the fact that you're teaching whilst doing a PhD like that is like phenomenal for me like do you have like pardon sorry sorry can go on sorry um do you have like, I want to say like one tip or a couple of tips, How if you have any tips for anyone who's thinking, who's neurodiverse and thinking of getting into say like teaching and. I would say like, if at all possible, which I know it's really hard, it's taken me now 26 years to do this, but if at all possible, like know your strengths and your challenges and like have a plan for when you know something will be challenging. So like this past year like I've been really trying to do this like I know that after like a long day of meetings or like after teaching for an hour in a big lecture hall like I do get very overstimulated and if I like immediately go from teaching and having office hours and meetings to like trying to go home I will have a meltdown and so like usually what I'll do is like immediately after teaching like I'll change out of like my work clothes like a blouse and pants and that into like comfy clothes that way like the collar is not bothering me and like I don't feel like I'm in a straitjacket and like 
I'll go in my office on campus and just like shut the door, shut the lights, like sit in the dark, put like a weighted lap pad on, like play classical music and just like do various things to like immediately de-stress because like while it is enjoyable, it can be overwhelming. So like I think it's natural for people to like find something they're very passionate about, even if it doesn't necessarily come as easily. So I would say for like anyone yeah. who is interested in teaching, anyone who's interested in like academia, anything like that, like it's definitely possible just like make sure that you're taking care of yourself as well and not kind of stretching yourself past your limits because that's not helpful for anyone. No, that's really good. And it's good to know like people hearing that from you, it's good to know that they'll they know that they'll be able to do that. And it won't be such like a, oh, what, what are you doing that? They'll be like, oh, so I can go into this. And it, it's not like a, a bad boundary to set. Like it's a good, you know, mm. that's helpful. Thank you. I mean, it's definitely like, I think there's a, a need to bring more normalization of that kind of self-care routine into things. Yeah. But then also to kind of accept, like you said, is that you can still enjoy something and be then overstimulated by it. Mm-hmm. like I know like if I get overexcited about something that I really enjoy then like I get my heart racing and then I'm like mm-hmm. knackered for hours <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm exactly the same there must be like some similarity in that with ADHD and ASD because I could I don't know what I get I get passionate about the smallest thing <laughs> we're not passionate like excited like just a bit of dopamine I'm like wow we're on fire today people let's yeah. go and then I'm like, get ready for my four hour lecture about this very obscure topic that I need you to know about right now. <laughs> Literally. And then afterwards, you just finish the last sentence. You're like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm done. <laughs> Nap time now. You can all leave. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Good night. <laughs> yeah, literally. And so that's how yeah. our conversations, like on Messenger, go between us. And so we're just like, all of this information that I've just learned about something, and now I'm not going to talk to you for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was literally me like five minutes like half an hour ago before we started the podcast trying to figure out what phone I'm gonna get next <laughs> to do research and I'm like messaging the person like virgin like okay so I want this deal on this but how long does it last and like all these thoughts going through my head and the woman's like whoa slow down and then Bex is like where are you you need to do the podcast and I'm like ah so now after this I'm just gonna be like and sleep <laughs> I mean, it's somewhat but, yeah. tragic that we even order phones together. <laughs> oh my gosh, who are we? Are we married? I mean, we might be, but I'm not sure what Stu would think about that. Yeah. He says I've got a big bed. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Um, before wow. we wrap up, I guess, is there any other kind of like... Um, message or something you'd like to say about like mental health and the like kind of environment that you find yourself in with doing your PhD and teaching? Yeah Um, so I guess this doesn't apply for like educators across the board it's more for like those in like academia but maybe everyone I'm not sure Um, but I feel like there's this kind of like narrative of like you need to be overworking yourself all the time in order to be productive and like it's almost like a social status like how burnt out you are and it's like really infuriating to me and like I don't know like I constantly hear people like oh yeah I've been slept in two days like I've been so busy I haven't eaten today and like that mentality is honestly like so toxic to me so I would say like 
just like really focus on self-care and you know prioritize your mental health and your mental well-being and like take the time to do things whether it's like you know scheduling meal times or meal planning or like scheduling self-care like you know I'm gonna take an hour and go for a walk in the park or like you know sit on the couch and do a sudoku on my phone or like anything that brings you joy because kind of like I was talking about earlier with like burnout and things like that like you're I don't know you're just gonna find more joy in like the work that you do if you're not stretching yourself too far and like kind of falling into that trap of like you know I need to be like pushing myself past the limits all the time so just kind of prioritizing like health and wellness and you know in terms of mental and physical health just taking care of yourself first is always a good thing yeah yes definitely so like work doesn't become like a chore and you're just like yeah in a rut yeah I'm trying to like do all these tasks with like an empty gas tank yeah yeah it's not what you want (laughs) definitely not but it's so lovely talking with you Yes, it is. It's been so nice talking to you and it's been really interesting kind of hearing about your PhD. Yes, definitely. Oh, thank you both so much. You seem really, really cool. I want to just like be friends with you so we can hang out all the time. You are yeah, our friend. chatting we with you guys too. Now. Join us in the world of crazy. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> thank yeah, you both friend. so much. <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you so much Bye. for joining us and we'll definitely talk soon. Yes. Bye. Bye.